the congregation may be seated. Well, we only have two sermons left in this sermon series that we set aside to begin this brand new year, a sermon series called This Year is Going to be Different. And we began by renewing our commitment to be in a covenant relationship with our God. And then we talked about what if we had a brand new vision for the year 2022. Last week, I was with you and we talked about coming to new understandings. We said it was a stewardship of the mind sermon. And and we need to continue to feed our minds. To neglect to do that is almost to be a sin. And then I asked the question, can we collectively come to new understandings that bring about change? Can we as a society, can we as a global community come to some new understandings that lead to change? And those new understandings bring us to what we have today, new attitudes. And those new attitudes are going to lead us to new practices, and we're going to finish the sermon series next week with that. But can we collectively Find a brand new attitude, come to a new attitude that can bring about change? Can we as a church family, can we as a society, can we as a global community come to a new understanding, a new attitude that shapes change? We've all heard the statements, you know, attitude is a choice, happiness is a choice, optimism is a choice, kindness is a choice. Giving is a choice. Respect is a choice. Whatever choice you make makes use. Let us choose wisely. Let us choose wisely. Choose the right attitude. Because, friends, sometimes a change in attitude changes everything. Sometimes a change in attitude really does change everything. In my reading this week, I came across something that uh, Chuck Swindoll said, and he says this, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. He says, attitude to me is more important than facts, than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do, other than appearances, than giftedness or skill. It will make or break this attitude a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude that we are going to embrace to face that brand new day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one thing we have, and that is our attitude And he concluded this little writing by saying, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with all of us. We, friends, young and old, male and female, are in control, are in charge of our attitudes. And I really believe, as I've walked with that this week, that Swindoll is right. It's not what happens to us that's important. It is how we respond to what happens to us that matters. It's not what life brings, but what we bring to life that ultimately matters. It's not the hand you've been dealt. It's how you play that hand. Not a single one of us can control everything that happens to us, but we can control our attitudes towards those things that happen to us. And in that, you will be mastering change rather than allowing it to master you. And so, friends, we need to remember that we are not a slave 
to negative emotions. So I have this gathering every Wednesday night, and I like to ask questions. And so we were all there. It was on Zoom. It was virtual this week. And I said, well, you know, what do you think it is? What are the factors that motivate, that create the attitudes that we have? And so one person said, well, when I have a real solid goal, when I have the vision for this goal, it really does shape my attitude, this new vision. Another person said, well, people around me, people around all of us and the attitudes that they have, I wish it didn't affect my own attitude, but it does, the attitudes of other people. Another person said, both preconceived notions and past experiences. Another person said, it's January. Weather impacts my attitude. And we know that to be true, especially for those who really do suffer with seasonal effectiveness disorder. Other people say, my own health or the health of my loved ones impacts my attitude if I'm not careful. But what about fear? Does fear shape our attitude? Should fear shape our attitude? I came across a story, and I can promise you I have never told this story before, which is amazing because I think it's a really old story. So that's how I preface things by saying, there may be another preacher in your life that has, has shared this illustration with you, but it's an illustration about a cussing parrot. That's right, I said a cussing parrot. And so there was this man that received this middle-aged parrot as a gift. Now, I'd rather have a partridge in a pear tree than a middle-aged parrot that did nothing but cuss. This parrot's vocabulary, I have no idea what kind of house this parrot spent the beginning and foundational part of its life in, but most of the vocabulary only required four letters in all of the words, and this, this bird was just tongue lash. Anyone who came in there, it was embarrassing for the man to bring anyone in because of this foul-mouthed and rude parrot. But the man tried to do everything he could to help change the attitude of that parrot, he would go up and he would whisper sweet nothings into the cage and the, the parrot would respond with some four-letter words. He, he tried to set the mood with kind of gentle and therapeutic music, but, but nothing would work. And finally, one day, this parrot was just cussing him out for no apparent reason, and the man was fed up. He just needed a little time out, so he put his arm in the cage, the parrot's cage, and grabbed that parrot, opened up the freezer door, and slammed the parrot in the freezer and shut the door. And he could hear behind the muffled door. And all of a sudden, the parrot went quiet. And the man thought, oh, no. Have I killed this parrot? So he ran out. He ran back to the kitchen, opened up the freezer door, and the parrot was very much alive and hopped right on his arm. And the parrot said, I am awfully sorry, my kind sir, for the attitudes that I have been having here since you have been living in your home. I will do everything I can to change my, my tone and make this a much more pleasant uh, facility for you and everyone else who may come in here to visit you. And the man was blown away, and he was about to ask the parrot a question because, of course, who doesn't ask a parrot a question at times like that? When the parrot, the parrot all of a sudden said, <clears throat> may I ask what the turkey in there had done? You're much sharper than the nine o'clock service. I had to explain it to him. I had to explain it to him. Has anyone ever heard that before? No? Okay, Dick has. Well, when it comes to attitude, friends, each and every one of us could use an attitude adjustment. But I don't think fear 
is the healthiest motivator for a change in attitude. Fear should not change our attitudes. It should be God, God's love, God's grace, God's mercy that should shape our attitudes. Now, I know that there were a lot of really, really bad attitudes in Packer Nation last night about 10 o'clock. And, uh, you know, in talking with Erin in the, in the sound booth, she said, well, that's what happens if you allow a football game to dictate your attitude. And, and that's true. Now, as I said, our attitudes should be shaped by nothing other than God's love, God's grace, and God's will. Because God is in the business of changing attitudes. There is just a really poignant, wonderful, beautiful cry from the psalmist in Psalm 30 who says this, speaking to God, you turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. And I love that, that little verse. You've turned my wailing into dancing. Other translations say you've turned my mourning my mourning into dancing. You have changed my sorrow into dancing. And, and what a beautiful image that is of sorrow being changed into joyful dance. And so we need to know that we need to ask God to help us focus on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, so that our attitudes might reflect and honor God and as I was talking in between services, attitudes really do influence our behavior. And so I have a two-point sermon for you today. And I know some of you are feeling cheated already, right? The sermons have three points. And no, this just has two. So to make up for it, I've made them really long and convoluted and kind of hard to follow. But I'm sure that you can do this with me. There are two attitudes that I really believe faithful followers of Christ that faithful children of God really must have. And the first is this attitude of humility, the humility of an obedient servant, and secondly, an attitude of authenticity that is filled with cheer and is defined by gratitude. So let me unpack the first of those, an attitude of humility, the kind of humility of an obedient, obedient servant. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, in, in chapter 2, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Humility. Do we know who Ted Turner is, if I say Ted Turner? He, you know, TBS, TNT, owned the Braves for a long time. Ted Turner said, if I only had a little humility, I would be perfect. If I only had a little humility, I'd be perfect. Benjamin Franklin said, There is perhaps no natural passion so hard to subdue as pride. Disguise it. Struggle with it. Mortify it as, it as much as one pleases. It is still alive and will every now and then peep out and show itself. Even if I could conceive that I had completely overcome it, I would probably be proud of my humility. 
Now, Pastor Andrew heard that, that there was one workplace where from time to time they would uh, give an award they'd, and they'd make it a medal. And so one guy won the uh, humility medal. And so the, the staff person ended up wearing it every single day and showing it to people. I have the humility, humility model. So maybe I'll have to find one of those for Andrew. Humility of an obedient servant. Obedience. The revivalist Charles Finney noted about obedience and sacrifice in saying, revival is nothing more or less than a new, and I would say a renewed obedience to God. Humble, obedient servant. Has anyone been to Taylor University in Upland, Indiana? It's not a very big school. It's a university. It's a Christian college, a Christian university. And, and they now have students from all over the world, but, but the presidents and the, the regents were just so thrilled when their first foreign student was coming across the ocean to be a student at this school. A brilliant young man named Sam who was leaving the continent of Africa, I'm not sure what country, and was coming over and had chosen Taylor University in Upland, Indiana to, to uh, pursue the schooling. This man was bright, intelligent. This man came with a great reputation of, of just being a, a superior intellect. And, and so when he came to, to visit the school, it was the president himself who gave him the guided tour. And I chose the seminary I chose because it wasn't some third-year Master's of Divinity student that walked me around. It was the president, President Lewis, walked me around the seminary there in Washington, D.C., well, this president was so thrilled to have young Sam and, and was showing him all the, the plate, all the food halls, all the lecture halls, showed him all of the, the dormitories and just said, you know, again and again, we're so happy you chose us to be here. You know, we're really just thrilled. And so then the president made an offer. The president said, Sam, where do you think you'd like to live on this campus? When my girls went off to school, they had to give a, a list of their top choices and it really wasn't up to them. But Sam's answer to this offer brought the president of that university to tears. Here's what Sam said. Sam said, if there is a room that no one else wants, I'll take that room. If there is a room that no one else wants, give me that room. That is the kind of humble and obedient servant that, that Jesus exemplified that kind of attitude says, if there is a job that no one wants to do, I'll do that job. It's the kind of attitude that says, if there is a kid that no one wants to eat lunch with, it'll be me who goes and eats lunch with that young person. If there is a parking space that is far away from the church, I will park in that space. If there is a hardship that somebody has to endure, I will take that hardship. If there is a sacrifice that someone needs to make, I will make that sacrifice. John Maxwell, who's a pastor, but also a prolific writer in leadership, says, people may hear your words, but they feel your attitude. So what kind of attitude are you going to bring to that table? People will hear your words, but they feel your attitude. John Ortberg, who was one of my favorite preachers, he's currently not serving a church, said, God's great holy joke about the Messiah complex is this. Every human being who has ever lived has suffered from it except one, and he actually just happened to be the Messiah. Humble, 
obedient servant. But the second attitude that faithful people of God really need to endeavor after is an attitude of authenticity, to be cheerful at all times and and filled with gratitude. Be authentic. Be real. Be yourself. (laughs) Authenticity, that's easy for me to say, is an attitude of honesty and humility. Don't try to be someone that you're not. You know, we used to say two years ago, don't wear masks around people. Now, of course, we're saying wear masks everywhere, but be real. Be real. Be the same person in public as you are in private. And be filled with cheer. Be filled with gratitude. Paul wrote to the Colossians, love is more important than anything else. It is what ties everything completely together. Uh, Each one of you is a part of the body of Christ, and you were chosen to live together in peace. So let the peace that comes from Christ control your thoughts and be grateful. So let the peace that comes from Christ control your attitudes and be grateful. To the Thessalonians, he said, be thankful in all circumstances. And why? For this is the will uh, of God. This is God's will for those of you who belong to Christ Jesus. And so I've been stumbling the last minute or so, but I'm going to write the ship and say, what if? What if? What if you lived every moment as though God was all around you, that you belong to God? What if? What if you lived as though nothing could happen to you that God could not take care of? What if? What if you lived as though you had already had one foot in heaven and that heaven was in fact all around you? What if? What if you really lived as though your sins and failures, all those things that you have done, have already, they're already gone in God's mind? What if? Would that change your attitude? What if you lived as though the power of the Holy Spirit lived in you and you were walking around in a world created by God, loved by Him, and blessed by His presence? What if? What if you lived as though every person around you was the result of God's will and creation, and they, like you, were created in God's image, in the likeness of God? What if? What if you lived as though you were not meant to be alone, but instead meant to be an important part of the family of God? What if? What if you saw the glory of God everywhere and in the image of God in every person? What if the very sight of a tree or cloud inspired you to worship and, and you lived life in deep gratitude with thanksgiving. What if? How different would your life be? How different would your attitudes be with a new awareness and a new attitude that could literally change your life? Coach Lou Holtz said, Ability is what you're capable of doing. Motivation determines what you do, but attitude determines how well you do it. A positive attitude, friends, causes a chain reaction of positive thoughts, positive events, positive outcomes. It is a catalyst, and it sparks extraordinary results. And so may God find in each and every one of us an attitude of a humble and obedient servant. May God find in all of us an an attitude of authenticity filled with good cheer and gratitude at all times. So let me ask the question I asked at the beginning. Can we collectively, 
Find new attitudes that can change everything as a society, as a church, as a global community. Sometimes a change in attitude changes everything. And so as we heard Pat pray, Lord, free us from the shackles of a bad attitude. Work in our hearts and minds to transform our thinking from negative to positive, despite the struggles that we all face. Fill us with a joy that can only come from you, Almighty God, to which I say amen, which means may it be so.